This is Zoe Church LA. We're not just fans, but rather followers of Jesus. Tune in as Pastor Chad Veach teaches of God's love and how we can live a Zoe life, an abundant life. James chapter 2, go to verse 14. And uh, if you missed last week, I saw a number of booklets being passed out, so I'm just going to make sure we're all on the same page. The book of James, we're... We're almost all the way convinced was written by Jesus' brother, James. James, uh, how can I say this? James doesn't contradict or compete with the Apostle Paul's writing. I think he harmonizes and is a complement to the Apostle Paul's writing. If you don't know much about the Bible, the Bible is divided into two major categories, the Old Testament and the New Testament. In the New Testament, a guy named Paul writes our, our belief about God. And his audience, who he was writing to, was an audience that was so steeped in religion and steeped in law that he was trying to, how many of you right now, even today, you're trying to unlearn some things you learned about God when you were a kid and he is better and greater than you thought he was. So Paul's just writing. He's trying to unconvince these guys of bad stuff and convince them of the right stuff. Paul's writing's all about saying, guys, your good works, your good deeds cannot earn you into heaven. You cannot discipline yourself to get there and obey the law. It's all grace. It's all Jesus. It's all salvation through him. So his audience that Paul wrote to was an audience that needed to unlearn that and totally be convinced of the power and the authority of Jesus Christ. James comes in as the brother of Jesus and, and speaks to a whole different audience. This audience was convinced that once I got my fire insurance, okay, we're going to laugh today or not, come on. Once I got my salvation and grace in Jesus, I can continue living however I want. I can keep doing what I want to do, say what I want to say. And James, the brother of Jesus, is saying, no, no, no. God does not just care about your Sunday. Bless me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. Love me, Jesus. He also cares about our Monday. In fact, he's the one that says, you know what? It's not a real faith unless it applies to how you live. God cares about your lifestyle. God cares about how you walk out your faith belief. And so he says things that are a little bit like, um, whoa, he just said that. It's kind of hard pill to swallow, but he's saying it out of a heart that loves us and wants us to graduate to become mature believers. I'm a father of four children, and uh, my role in their life is to mature them to who they're called to become. In fact, my dad is here in this service. I want you guys to make some noise for my father, Pastor Dave Veach. Can you stand to your feet? My dad is here. Make some noise for my, my dad is here today. My dad uh, and I took my boys last night to the monster truck rally. We were there to root for one monster truck and one monster truck alone, Grave Digger. We went from the generation of Bigfoot to the generation of Grave Digger. And... Um, and, you know, last night I'm, I'm parenting my, my kids, and, and my dad at one time was, was parenting me. Okay? But the goal of James writing is to mature, to graduate past a point of immaturity 
to walk into a place of maturity. God is not here convinced that all you need is fire insurance. All you need is salvation. He actually wants us to live out what we believe about God. To walk out the truths of who he is in our lives. So I love chapter 2. He's just ended chapter 1. And he says at the end of chapter 1, a pure and undefiled religion is a religion that takes care of widows and orphans. So a, a religion that God loves is practical. A religion that God loves is like night to shine. Like I love my city. You know, one that, that cares about people and helps people and loves people because that's what this religion is about. Then he transfers in chapter 2 and he's going to talk about favoritism and faith. He's going to talk about these two realities. Let's read here in the middle of the chapter, verse 14, and watch this. I love these verses right here. Verse 14 through 19. My dear brothers and sisters, what good is it if someone claims to have faith but demonstrates no good works to prove it? How could this kind of faith save anybody? For example, if a brother or sister in the faith is poorly clothed and hungry and you leave them saying good luck and goodbye, I hope you stay warm tonight and have plenty to eat tonight, but you don't provide them with a coat or even a cup of Campbell's soup, what good is your faith? So then faith doesn't involve, so then faith that doesn't, in, let me just make sure I get this right, so then faith that doesn't involve action is phony. But someone might object and say, one person has faith and another person has works. Go ahead then and prove to me that you have faith without works. And I will show you faith by my works as proof that I believe. You can believe all you want that there is one true God. That's wonderful. But just so you know, even the demons know this and tremble with fear before him. Yet they're unchanged and they remain demons. <laughs> I'm going to get to it. It's called demonic faith. But he's saying even a demon believes and what well, doesn't change them. They're still demonic. They're still demons. So faith alone is not the goal of God in your life. God wants you to be changed by the power of grace. And that doesn't happen until you apply your faith. Otherwise, you just got demon faith. I want to preach a message today, write down the title, it's called Faith, Favoritism, and How Not to Be Phony. Faith, Favoritism, and How Not to Be Phony. I know what phony looks like. I did not have a real Dr. Pepper until I was 19 years old. I grew up with a father that loved some Walmart. I grew up on Dr. Thunder, y'all. Valley, I did not have a box of cereal till I went to college. I grew up on bags of cereal. Who am I preaching to right now? So we know what the phony looks like. We want to become real, genuine, walk this thing out. Amen? Faith, favoritism, and how not to be phony. Let's pray. Let's believe that God will come speak to us. Jesus, thank you today that you are so wonderful and so loving and so kind, and we are just in awe of your acceptance and your approval of sinners like us. We are so amazed that you're for us and you're with us, and we believe by faith that you're going before us in 2019 and you're working things out. You are in control. We say that. We believe that. You are good and you're for us. 
And we love you. And God, we pray together that this will be the year that the Lakers will win the NBA championship and the Rams will just make it to the Super Bowl. In Jesus' name. And everybody said together. Come on, let's clap and thank God. Come on, let's get some faith. I said, let's clap and get some faith. Valley, are you clapping right now? Even if you do that obligation, just. Write down number one. We're going to jump right in. No one person is above another. Here's how he jumps in. He jumps in and he likens, uh, he uses church for his audience. He says, guys, suppose someone comes to church on a Sunday. And let's say the first person that walks in is rich and is um, successful and good looking and is blinging. Sorry, I love 2004, still use the word. And um, they got bling and they're still doing their thing. And so they walk in and you're like, oh my gosh, we've got to get a seat, special seat. We got to just, and you show favoritism to this person, but a poor person walks in and you treat them like they're despicable. You treat them like they're deplorable. He said, this kind of religion, well, you've just walked in discrimination. You've just carried in your heart favoritism. And that is the definition of being prejudiced. God is not a God of, who respects people. The Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust alike. God doesn't treat one tribe better than another tribe. God is not interested in one continent or one country more than another. We are all God's favorites. God loves everybody just the same. And so when we receive Jesus and the reality of who we, he is, we must now see people the way he sees people. Listen, we are all God's favorites. I heard someone say, we're all God. God doesn't play favorites, but he does play intimates. In other words, we're all God's favorites, but there's some people that he does reveal himself to a little bit more. There's some people like Enoch in the Bible that he is a little bit closer. But whether you are that person or not, we are all favorites from God. God loves all of us the same. Is there anybody thankful today that you can rest assured and go to, go to bed tonight knowing I'm God's favorite? So God, God is not like us. God does not fall into our pecking order, in our world order, and we live in a culture and a society that puts these people here and these people here, and God says when you fall into that, you are operating like the world, but in my kingdom, every person matters. Every person is important. You ever talk to somebody, and you're talking to them, you got good eye contact, you're having a great conversation, and then they kind of look past you, and you're like, We good. And, the, and, the, and excuse me, and they just kind of blow you off for somebody better. James is saying, don't be that guy. Don't be the person that falls victim to favoritism because that's not a reflection of who I am. In fact, watch this, verse 1 and 4. Verse 1, it says, how could we say that we have faith in him and yet we favor one group of people above another? Then you demonstrated gross prejudice among yourself and used evil standards of judgment. So he's teaching us, no, 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 no. If you're really going to walk out your faith, one of the hallmarks, one of the keys is you start treating people and seeing people the way that I do. 
I'm a lover of all people. All people matter. Every single color of skin, every single bloodline, every single ethnicity. I am thankful today we are part of a kingdom and part of a church that doesn't herald one and despise another. We all matter to God. And so he says, don't, don't fall victim. Don't judge. Because when you operate in judgment, what you'll do is you'll become harsh and critical of one Instead of being merciful, I love the New Testament and I love the gospel of Jesus because the gospel is all about compassion and mercy. Compassion and mercy is who Jesus is. He is filled with compassion and he is filled with mercy. He is not the God of judgment. He is not the God of condemnation. He is not the God of favoritism. He is the God of mercy and the God of compassion. Remember that story. There's this one story in the Bible, in the gospels, this lady, she gets caught in the middle of adultery. She gets caught in the act, and the guys drag her out, and they bring her in front of Jesus, and they've got their stones, and they say, Jesus, in the Old Testament, Moses says, that we, the law says that this girl, because of what she just did, she should be stoned to death. We, should, we have the, the right to stone her right now. And they say, Jesus, what, what, what do you say, Jesus? What, what do you think? I like Jesus because I think Jesus is gangster. Jesus just kind of gets in his catch, catcher stance. It's about as low as it goes for me right here. This is, this is all you're getting today. This, and this hurts, this burns a little bit. And he kind of plays tic-tac-toe. And he says to the guys, okay, you who are without sin, you go ahead and throw the first stone. Go ahead. You're perfect. Go ahead. <laughs> and the Bible says one by one they all walked away. Then Jesus looks at the woman. He says, woman, where are your accusers? And she says, oh, sir, I have none. And he says, neither do I condemn you. Neither do I judge you. Our God is the God that says mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy is more important than judgment. Come on, is there anybody grateful today that when you came to Jesus, he didn't give you wrath, he didn't give you condemnation, he didn't give you guilt, he didn't give you shame, he gave you mercy, he gave you compassion. The woman at the well didn't get God's worst, she got God's best. The woman had the issue of blood, he didn't judge her, he had mercy on her. The, the guy who had a daughter who was sick, he didn't judge that man, he had compassion on that man. He is not the God of judgment, he is the God of mercy. And he actually asks us to walk out the royal law of love. I love that. Royal law of, sounds so official. It is official because it's from a king. A king has commanded the royal law of love. In fact, he takes all of the Old Testament commandments and all of the law and he summarizes them up in two. And he says, you only have to walk out these two orders. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul and your strength and love your neighbor as your... You do this and you will walk in the royal law of love. Put it on the screen. Watch in verse 8. Oh, I love these verses right here. Your calling is to fulfill the royal law of love as given to us in the scripture. You must love and value your neighbor as you love and value yourself. For keeping this law is the noble way to live. But when you show prejudice, 
you commit sin. And you violate this royal law of love. Verse 13, because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. So God has called me to not be a person that favors people and judges people and is filled with compartments of where I put different people in my heart. He has asked me to love people at the level that I love myself. Which is a reminder that if you do not love yourself, you will never love another person. If you are mean and harsh and critical to you, you will be mean and harsh and critical to others. If you are always criticizing you, well, then you'll always criticize others. It says, love your neighbor as yourself. I wonder if your neighbors feel loved. I wonder, most of you are like, I don't even know my neighbors. I know my neighbor's dog, hated it. <laughs> Love your neighbor as yourself. Who is my neighbor? Your neighbor is who you encounter. Your neighbor is your friends, your family, your coworkers. Love your neighbor as yourself. That by doing this, by not walking in favoritism and not walking in judgment, I walk out the royal law of love. I have not been called to walk in my emotions or walk in my feelings. I've been called to walk in the love of Jesus. And I can only do that by seeing people the way that he sees them. So he first starts chapter 2 off talking about favoritism. And then he gets into our faith. And I like this part a lot. In fact, write down number 3. Faith is phony without action. And he gets into this whole part, and he's like, look, I'm glad you have faith. Woohoo! Awesome. But he says, your faith without works is dead. So he talks about three types of faith. Write it down. He talks about a dead faith, a demonic faith, and a dynamic faith. A dead faith is lip service. A dead faith says, I believe in God. I believe that God is real. I believe that God is true, but I refuse to do nothing about it. I will not walk out this belief. I will not live out what I trust about God. So that is a dead faith, a demonic faith. Now you got to understand, demons believe, Satan believes in God. Satan believes in God because he was once employed by God. Satan was an employee of God. He used to be the head worship leader. He got cast down to hell. Remember, Satan believes in God. In fact, Satan thought he won when Jesus died on the cross for our sins. But then he lost as soon as Jesus got up out the grave. Is there anybody thankful today that our God is not dead? So d demons believe and they tremble. Now, just because they believe in God doesn't mean they worship, adore, and follow God. So there is a dead faith, there is a demonic faith, and there's a dynamic faith. He says, that's awesome, you have faith, but I'll show you my faith by my works. Now, James, for one moment, is not suggesting that we go back to works and work our way into God. He is not for one second saying, I'm going to work out my salvation and earn salvation. No, he is not. He is saying, because God has been so good, and he's broken down the wall of separation. He loved me and healed me and called me his own. He freed me from all my deliverances I needed. Because of those things, I have faith in God, and now I will walk in the works he has planned for my life. This is exciting for me because some of, some of us are here today and be like, Christianity's boring. It's like so boring. Yeah, you're boring. 
Somebody yelled, Woo! <laughs> Not a boring person. It's only boring if you don't connect faith and works. And he is not saying we do works to get in good with God. We are in good with God. We walk in works because this is God's design and God's plan for our life. If you don't believe me, let's go to the scriptures. Philippians chapter 2. Look here in Philipp, uh, or is it Ephesians chapter 2? Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Did you know that before you were born, God sent, sat down with a pen and a moleskin and he started to create your personality and your temperament and the time on earth you should live and the gifts and the talents and the call. And he prepared these things in advance so that when you said yes to faith, he could now show you all the things that he has in store for your life. All the good works. God has work for you to do. God has plans for your life. God has, you're not just floating and existing on this earth, taking up another year. God's got something for your life. He's got something for you to walk in. There's a kingdom to build. There's a church to advance. There's a gospel to preach. There's a people to reach. Anybody thankful today that God has good works for my life? How boring, how boring is a faith that just says, I'm just going to camp out over here in Faithville, and I'm just going to have faith and faith and faith, but I will never, I will never connect faith and works, and I will never start to do the things that God has called me to do. There is such a massive calling on your life. You would have no idea the things that God has planned in store and in advance for you, and he's just waiting for you to transfer from faith to good works. Don't you get stuck in dead work? Don't you get work in stuck in, in demon faith? Come on, get over here to dynamic faith. Dynamic faith is not a volume. Dynamic faith is not a personality. Dynamic faith is not an accent. Dynamic faith is just simply doing the works God's called you to do. He says this is actually the full expression of faith. So I only have 50% of faith if I'm only a believer, but I never walk in the works that God created for my life. Let me just, I want to be very clear with this. So let me show you on the screen something from James. Let me just read this because it's really important that you understand exactly what I'm saying. James, what James asked was, can the, this kind of faith, can that kind of faith disconnected from good works help anyone, including the believer, to grow or advance God's kingdom? If you disconnect and you only have faith and you never walk in works, can that disconnected cord, can that ever help you really grow? And, and can it ever help advance God's kingdom? And furthermore, could you really ever help somebody? He is, James is saying, no, the way that we advance and the way that we grow personally and the way we help others is it has to be faith and works. I have to now, you ever be at your house and, and something's not working and you're getting frustrated like your Apple TV? Who am I preaching to right now? The other day, my Apple TV, we moved into the house, and the Apple TV's not working. And lo and behold, after much investigation, it was not plugged in. 
And I was upset at a lot of the family members that were present in that time. Until I plugged in, I was like, oh. You, you will live a frustrated life disconnected from the works you're called to walk in. James is just honest. He's like, oh, awesome. You have faith? Ha, cool. I'll show you my faith by my works. Because your faith is phony. Your faith is half. Your faith never translates and never connects to the good works that God has planned for you. I'm telling you, you will live the adventure of a lifetime. You will have more fun than you ever imagined. You will live fulfilled. You will live excited if you just connect faith and works. In fact, I just want to give you the last thing to write down, number four today. I love this. It's just a question. Write down this thought. Are my actions cooperating with my faith? Are my actions, worship team, you can come join me. Are my actions, the way that I'm living, are these actions cooperating with my faith? Because until these two things come, come together, until we connect these dots, you will have faith on one side and actions on another side. And you'll never fully walk in the plan and the will that God has for your life. You'll stay over here. It will not be like, no one wakes up in the morning and is like, you know what I'm after? I'm really trying, 2019, I want a faith that is phony. So all my friends to be like, hypocrite, fraud, phoneville. But what happens is we just kind of camp out over it like, it just feels good to have faith. I've got faith for like my business and my family and my future. Nothing's happening over here. Just have faith. Okay. I heard someone say, I want to pray like it depends on God and I want to work like it depends on me. Some of us are like, well, what's God and what's me? I, I don't have the answer, but let's just add faith and works. Let's see what happens. Let's just walk out the deeds that God's asked us to do. He prepared them. They're for you. They're custom fit for your personality and your gift in this season of your life. So might as well just ask God, God, um, I feel very disqualified and I don't know what this is going to look like, but... I'm willing to mature and get past faith and I'm going to cooperate with my actions. Like, just what a terrible place to live, just faith. Right? God, I, I have faith that you'll heal me, but I'm just going to keep on living and eating however I want. God, I have faith that you, you are the God of the tithe, you believe in tithing, but I'm not, I just don't want, I don't want to tithe. God, I have faith. This is my year. I'm going to get married. I'm going to find somebody to love, but you're not willing to get on ChristianMingle.com. <laughs> Who am I preaching to right now? Tanya, raise your hand higher. Faith without action is no cooperation. And so James is like, oh, how do I convince you guys that this matters? How do I show you that this is what God is after? Okay, I'll go to Abraham, you know, the father of our faith. And let's see how Abraham did it. Abraham believed God, but his actions lined up and cooperated with his faith. 
So God promised Abraham, you'll be the father to many nations, and you, out of you, all the descendants of the earth will be blessed. So Abraham had faith, but when God asked him to offer up his first son Isaac, it was his actions that cooperated with his faith, and he offered up his son Isaac, and therefore he is called the father of our faith, and it was rewarded to him and accounted to him as righteousness. What about Noah? Noah had faith that God had called him to build an ark when there was no rain. Noah's out there with his boys like, come on, guys. Everybody's laughing. Where's it going to rain, Noah? AccuWeather says no rain, Noah. Why are you out here in Palm Springs building an ark, Noah? All of a sudden, it starts raining. Cats and dogs starts raining like crazy. It was his faith that cooperated with his actions. And all of a sudden, Noah's in the Bible for being a man of faith. You just go time and time again. Rahab, by faith, hid the, hid the spies of Israel. By faith, Moses lifted up his hands and parted the Red Sea. By faith, Joseph, he kept his integrity. He ran from that harlot. Come on, all throughout the scriptures, it was faith operating with action. And what I'm not trying to get you to do is run out this door like, ah, oh, let's go. But maybe the next time God says, hey, I want you to do this. Hey, I want you to, let's stop doing that. Hey, I've got more for you. And right now you're settling. And I just, it's just, it breaks my heart because that's not what I planned in advance. So let's, this year, let's connect faith and actions. Let's, let me just read these verses because... I like how the Bible says, oh, feeble sons of Adam, do you need further evidence that faith, faith divorced from good works is phony? Wasn't our ancestor Abraham found righteous before God because of his works when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? Can't you see how his action cooperated with his faith? And by his action, faith found its full expression. So in this way, the scripture was fulfilled because Abraham believed God and his faith was exchanged for the righteousness of God I want to be a faith person and I want Zoe to be a faith church we are totally in to believing and trusting in God but I don't want to just have in our church 50% of it like I want whatever good works that he's got planned for Zoe it could be night to shine it could be mission trips around the world it could be as simple as once a month on a Saturday just serving people that are hum homeless. But it could also express itself with us like just treating everybody like they're important and they mean a lot to God. I think Christians that get a, a knock and Christians that people despise are people that stand over here and they play favoritism and they only have faith. James is saying, don't you do that. You will make our God look like something he's not. So let's treat everybody like they matter and let's walk out the good deeds he has in store for our lives. He said, when we do that, we will be called genuine. We'll be called authentic. We will be called the real deal. People will look at us and they'll say, surely there is a God in heaven. I see it in your mercy. I see it in your love. I see it in your good deeds. Come on, somebody thank God today. We're not staying the same this year. It's faith. Favoritism. How not to be phony. It's amazing. And I'll close with this. You know, Julie and I, one of our first dates that we went on, we went, we went skiing. 
And then we didn't ski for like 10 years. And this last year, we went on a trip to Colorado, and we went up skiing together. I was so excited and got up on the mountain. I was nervous for Julia, you know. Nervous. How's she going to do? It's been a decade, you know. To get up on the mountain, you know. and She just starts bombing down the mountain. I'm like, okay. She's, and then I go, and I'm like, I'm like, I don't know if you've ever skied with a group, but every once in a while the group kind of stops, you know, gathers himself. And I'm like the guy that they've been waiting for like three minutes, you know. I get down, it's like all these dudes are like, wow, wow. Your wife is really good at skiing. I'm like, calm down. I'm like, okay, you guys ready to go again, Chad? Are you good? They take off. <laughs> Julie's just bombing. We get down to the bottom of the hill. And they're, they're, they're all like in a group waiting for me. They're all like gathered together. Julia's like in a photo shoot or something. She's just like, like simmer, Julia, simmer. I'm like making my way down. and I don't know what it was. Like, I'm just like, I'm already, I feel so dumb. I'm like, I'm like getting down there, and I don't know what it was. I, maybe I hit some ice, but like this ski and that ski, and then you ever think like 30 things in one second? Like, I'm like 30 things. Like, this is the worst moment of my life. They're all laughing at me. I feel like an idiot. Julia's amazing. I'm just, there's like one second, just like I got tangled. And then you ever fall down, you're not, you don't want to get back up? It's like, maybe I just won't get back up. It's like, in my head, I'm like, why won't my body cooperate? This is wonder. Maybe this is your year to let faith and works cooperate together so you can start soaring and experiencing the life that God has envisioned you to live. Come on, is there anybody here today that has faith in God that doesn't want it just to be Sunday? But come on, Zoe, we're going to walk this out on Monday. We're going to live out the thing that God has called us to live out in our life. Come on, give them a shout today if you're down to live for Jesus.